66, a low of 48. And Friday, a cloudy day with a high of 59 and a low of 47. Good evening, and welcome to Let's Talk Vets here on WJFF. This program is produced by Vets for Vets. And I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg, USAF, 1968-1972. Our mission is to provide news, entertainment, and information of particular interest to area veterans and their families and active service members as well. Tonight we'll hear from a couple of folks that shed some light on benefits available to our veterans. Benjamin Pomerantz is the Deputy Director of Program Development for New York State Veterans Administration, and he'll tell us all about this state agency and New York State benefits available to veterans who reside in New York State. And we met Mike Wickham at ATI's Operation Wellness in August. Mike works for the Vet Center in Middletown, New York. Vet Center is a unique outreach of the Veterans Administration, offering a wide range of counseling and advisory services in a casual, non-clinical setting. You know, as veterans, we've earned many benefits as a result of our service, and too often we veterans are reluctant to claim the rewards we have earned. And it may be that we don't believe we qualify for some reason, And it may be that we uh, just by our nature don't like to ask for anything, right? Or it may be simply that we're not aware of what we're entitled to. Military benefits are not welfare, they're not public assistance, and they are not charity. You earn them by signing a blank check backed with the account of your life upon enlistment. So get a pencil and paper ready to jot down some of the important information you will hear in the next hour. But first, here are some dates of note in October. October the uh, 7th is Miss Veteran America pageant. And, of course, October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. October 13th is the birthday of our U.S. Navy. And uh, October 14th, of course, is Columbus Day, a day set aside to honor and commemorate Christopher Columbus' arrival in the Americas on October 12th. 1492. Remember it like it was yesterday. October 26th uh, is the National Day of the Deployed. This is a day set aside to honor all of our brave men and women who have been deployed and are sacrificing or have sacrificed their lives to fight for our country. And we also acknowledge their families that they are separated from. Benjamin Pomerantz is Deputy Deputy Director of Program Development, New York State Veterans Affairs. New York offers many unique benefits to vets exclusively uh, exclusive of the Federal Veterans Administration. And we spent about a half an hour with Ben to make sure that you know what's available to you as a vet, as a resident of New York State. 
We're speaking with Benjamin Pomerantz, Deputy Director of Program Development of New York State Veterans Administration. Greetings, Ben. Good afternoon. How are you today? Doing fine, thanks. We wanted to basically talk to you to make sure that our listeners understand more about your organization. So I'd like to start, if you could explain to our listeners exactly what the New York State Division of Veterans Affairs mission is. Certainly. So our mission been around since 1945 when we began, and our objective each day and every day is to connect every veteran and their families with every benefit they have earned by virtue of their military service. And it is as simple as that and as complex as that, because each benefit, state, federal, and local, comes with its own set of laws and regs and paperwork and forms, and it is our job to serve essentially as the red tape cutters. We're the ones who say, okay, here's what you've earned. Here's how to get there, and we're here to help guide you through that process. So um, considering all the veterans' organizations, and just to clarify for our listeners, how exactly do you guys fit in? Let's say I go to the Veterans Service Office in Sullivan County, and I'm a vet and I have an issue. Where do they get involved with your agency, or do they get involved with your agency? Well, we work together on a number of different things, you know, our mission is pretty much the same as their mission, to make certain that all veterans and their families receive what they've earned by virtue of their service. One thing that I think sets us apart in some ways is that we have a rich network of statewide contacts. If you're looking at a county agency, they're going to be focused primarily on their county. We have a statewide presence, so wherever you are, we are here to serve you. Uh, we have a network of benefits advisors who are experts in the veterans' benefits spectrum, both the federal side of the House and the state side of the House. And the state benefits are things that I think often get overlooked. You know, I talk to veterans all the time who may have a disability compensation rating from the VA, but they don't realize that they also qualify for a property tax exemption or they qualify for certain employment preferences in New York State. Or they qualify for a free pass to go to... New York State parks and campgrounds. There's many ancillary benefits out there that are available for veterans that are not known. And many of those are these New York State programs. We're part of the entire realm of veteran services that New York State offers. We work closely with the county agencies, with city agencies, and then also with agencies and organizations that are beyond just veteran services, your, your whole realm of social services agencies and groups because a veteran might walk in the door of the county office for the agent, for instance, not realizing anything about veterans' benefits. But if the county office for the agent knows that, hey, there's a state division of veterans affairs employee nearby, or there's a county veterans service agency employee nearby, and they make that referral, all of a sudden that becomes a door for that veteran to learn about and have an advocate for. Without that kind of network, we cannot give veterans the type of comprehensive services that they've earned. Are your advisors uh, all located um, like in Albany, or are they strategically around the state? They're in every region of the state has benefits advisors there. If the person is housebound, we make home calls if need be to assist the veterans and their families where they are. There's a, a whole bunch of things that you guys do, so I'd like to run down the, all sure. the services and programs you provide, and we'll start with advocacy and assistance under that subheading. The first one is Incarcerated Veterans Program. That's been one of our real recent pushes that I think is having some great success, that there are unfortunately a large number of veterans who are in New York State's prisons, correctional facilities, and a lot of times they're unaware of what they have earned as veterans. I was in Mid-State Correctional Facility and a man came to me, he was in, I would say, his late 60s, and he said, I have a question that I've been wondering for many years. I was in boot camp and got injured during training and was medically discharged. Do I count as a veteran? And I said, sir, not only do you count as a veteran, but you actually qualify for disability compensation payments from the VA because of that injury in boot camp. You know, one of the most common myths that we deal with are veterans who don't realize that they are veterans. The federal definition of the word veteran 
is a person who served in the active military, naval, or air service and was discharged therefrom under conditions that are other than dishonorable. If you served, you're a veteran. And so in the case of this gentleman who was at Mid-States, he had gone for decades not realizing that he was a veteran and was eligible for and deserving of disability compensation for those injuries that he incurred. Okay, how about discharge updates? There are times when the military will discharge somebody. There are times when there's mistakes made, and there is an appeals process in place to elevate that discharge from less than honorable to a higher character of service. That's important because for a lot of both federal and state benefits, there are barriers for veterans who have a less than honorable discharge. And that process of our officers engaged in, if they are deserving to get that discharge status raised, the nation's first ever discharge upgrade advisory, which is a panel of seven attorneys, all of whom are volunteering their time to do this, who are reviewing cases in an impartial fashion. And if they feel that case is meritorious, they'll write an advisory opinion saying why they feel the case is meritorious. And that can go as kind of a cover letter in the veterans' application package that goes down to the Board for Correction Military Records or the Discharge Review Board to which that veteran's appealing. Department of Defense slash VA payment issues. One of the myths out there is that any veteran who is a military retiree with 20 or more years of service and is also receiving VA disability compensation cannot receive both. There is something called the Concurrent Receipt Program, where somebody who is a military retiree and who has a disability compensation rating of 50% or higher from the VA is eligible to receive both the full amount of their military retirement payments and the full amount of their VA disability compensation payments. Okay, I see um, request for discharge paperwork. So if I lost my DD-214, you would get me another one? Absolutely. So that, that's a common myth that we hear as well. So veterans will come to us and say, I can't possibly apply for benefits. I lost my DD-214, my discharge paperwork, and so therefore I can't apply. Uh, that's definitely not true because there is a way through the National Personnel Record Center, which is the repository of military records out in St. Louis, to request a copy of your DD-214 and get it back to you. In addition to that, the VA has what's called a statutory duty to assist, which means they have an obligation when a veteran files a claim to take certain steps to help that veteran win the claim. And one step they have to take is to track down federal records on a veteran's behalf. So let's say, for whatever reason, the veterans don't want to file the paperwork to get the DD-214 from St. Louis. That veteran can still pursue a claim with the VA because a DD-214 is a federal record and the VA has the obligation by law to track down that federal record and make it part of the claims package for that veteran. Okay, how about starting and or appealing claims? Well, sometimes, you know, the VA makes a mistake in their initial decision. And so there was a appellate process within the VA that a veteran can engage in. And the important thing there is there's very specific deadlines for that process. And all of our benefits advisors are well-versed in what those deadlines are and what the proper paperwork is to complete and file. And so we handle those cases all the time. And the federal, the last under the subheading of advocacy and assistance, is the federal burial flag program. When a veteran passes away, a lot of times survivors aren't aware of what they can receive to help honor the, the passing and the service of the veteran. And one thing that they can receive from the federal government is an American flag um, that is presented in honor of that veteran's life and service. Uh, they can also receive a memorial certificate from the president of the USA. Again, there's no charge for this. It's just a simple thing to fill out, and all of our advisors can assist with that process. Okay. Uh, moving on to the next major heading of education. There's a lot of stuff here. HESC Awards Waiver. So HESC is the New York State Higher Education Services Corporation. They have a number of programs that are available for veterans who are looking to pursue a undergraduate degree, a graduate degree, or a certification from a vocational school or training program. The most overlooked among that group is called the Veterans Tuition Award, the VTA. 
a lot of times a veteran will, will reach a point where they cannot use their GI Bill funding any longer. For instance, for a long time, there was a limitations period in how long you had to use that GI Bill funds before your, your time clock ran out. But a veteran who faces that situation where they can't use their GI Bill still has a possibility of using their veteran's tuition award from New York State if that individual served in a combat theater. So any veteran with an expeditionary medal who served in the Vietnam era or afterwards is eligible for the veteran's tuition award. Okay, how about um, scholarships? Again, those go through HESC as well. There are programs available, for instance, for children of veterans in certain circumstances, for, for spouses of veterans in certain circumstances. What is, so what those is, are applications that all of our benefits advisors will work on with veterans and their families. They're filed with HESC. So they are, the, the money is not given to our agency, but our agency works with the veterans and their families on preparing and presenting those applications. Okay, what is Operation Recognition? That's a way to honor individuals who left high school early to pursue their military careers. And so what this does is BVA works with the New York State Department of Education on this to have the veteran receive a high school diploma in a formal ceremony, which thanks them for their military service and says, you know, we know you had to leave school early to answer your country's call, but by virtue of your military experience and the service and sacrifice that you've given to this country and this state, you know, we're going to give you your diploma in honor of that service and sacrifice. What are the federal education programs? So that covers your GI Bill for veterans themselves, as well as those veterans who have passed down their GI Bill benefits to their dependents. It also covers the VA Vocational Rehabilitation Program, which is a way of matching veterans' disability compensation rating from the VA of 10% or higher uh, with training programs to help reacclimate them to the civilian workforce. So there's a whole slew of, of different benefits that the federal government offers for veterans looking to pursue education. What about Regents Awards? That's also a program through HESC. It's one of those state scholarships that's given uh, to dependents of veterans. And student loan deferments. And that's a, pretty much the same. There's a, a set of federal laws called the Service Member Civil Relief Act that allow for deferments under certain circumstances. Okay, now we're down to a heading uh, which is Employment and Volunteer Programs. And under that mm -hmm. heading, the first thing is Civil Service Credits. Section 85 of the New York State Civil Service Law, extra credits and civil service exams for veterans who served during a wartime era, not just combat service, but anywhere in the world during a wartime period. Okay, what about experience counts? That's a program where Governor Cuomo is looking to match individuals who served in the armed forces with civilian jobs. So if you have an MOS that corresponds with certain professions that in New York, this ranges from security guards to hairdressers. Literally, uh, if your MOS matches certain qualifications for these positions, uh, you can bypass certain entry-level exam requirements to get your New York State license to practice those professions. And these would be all civil service uh, positions, correct? No, th these are private sector as well. So, for instance, if you're talking about a security guard, if you want your security guard license or a certification from the state, uh, you can bypass certain requirements and be certified to work as a security guard in a number of different venues, both public sector and private sector, in New York under that program. Okay. How about hire a vet credit? That's a tax incentive for private sector employers to hire veterans. Uh, there's two different amounts, one amount for hiring a veteran and a higher amount for hiring a veteran with service-connected disabilities. Okay, why would a veteran need to come to you guys for an unemployment claim? There is a benefit that the VA offers called IU, Individual Unemployability, where even if the individual's numerical disability compensation rating is less than 100%, if the veteran can prove that the veteran is unable to obtain and maintain substantial gainful employment, the VA will pay that veteran at the 100% disability compensation rate. Uh, okay, there's a, probably a myriad of these, but state employment services? 
So the New York Department of Labor has a very robust program for connecting veterans with jobs. And so if we are working in our offices with veterans who are talking about needing assistance and reacclimating to the civilian workforce, we connect them immediately with the State Department of Labor, and they assist them uh, in obtaining that employment. And what is a state peddler's license? For, for certain veterans, I won't get into all the requirements now because it would just take far too long, uh, but for certain veterans who want to obtain a peddler's license or a vendor's license uh, through their county clerk's office, there are certain preferences that are given to those veterans. Okay. Under the next heading, we've got financial compensation, aid and attendance benefits. The aid and attendance was mentioned in the New York Times a couple of years ago as being the most underused benefit in the VA spectrum. So in a nutshell, we're talking about a wartime veteran, not just combat, anywhere during a wartime period, who has disabilities that do not have to be linked with their time and service, who has limited income and limited assets, and needs assistance with activities of daily living. We're talking dressing, bathing, medication management, walking from place to place, any of those things that we do every day. Uh, if that veteran in that situation needs assistance with those activities and is low-income, limited assets, and served during the wartime period, uh, that individual could file a claim for VA pension with aid and attendance. And we do those applications every day. How about a blind annuity? That's a state program where New York State pays out a monthly stipend for legally blind wartime veterans and also for the unremarried surviving spouses of legally blind wartime veterans. Okay. About a gold star annuity? Gold star parents, uh, parents who are the parents of a child who was killed in action uh, in, in a combat theater, uh, are eligible for a a annuity program from New York State that runs through our office. It's a simple application form, and again, we, we handle these applications all the time and process them and provide that payment as a way to recognize and honor the sacrifice of the citizens and also their families. How about state income tax exemption? For certain situations, there are veterans who have the ability to get reduced or, or waived periods of state income tax. Again, this falls under that Civil Relief Act that I was talking about earlier when we were talking about the loan deferments. The same set of statutes applies to this situation where when someone's serving on active duty, uh, if they fall behind on their, their payments for taxes, uh, that they can have deferments or waivers in certain situations for those taxes. The last one is state uh, vehicle registration fee exemption. If a veteran is eligible for the VA's specially adapted vehicle grants, that individual is also eligible to receive the vehicle registration waiver and also receive free easy pass for traveling on the New York State highways. It's important, though, because there's a lot of myths around this one, too. Only those veterans who qualify for the VA's specially adapted vehicle grant program can receive the free easy pass and the waiver of the vehicle registration. Moving on to health care now. Under health care, we have civilian health and medical program. That sounds like a broad topic. It is. So I'll kind of go through these kind of all at once. So we work all the time with veterans who want to enroll in the VA's health care system. And, again, a lot of myths are there. You don't have to be a combat veteran to enroll in VA health care. You know, that, that, that's a common misunderstanding that veterans have. You can be a, a veteran who served for his or her entire time stateside and still be absolutely eligible for VA health care. The VA has a program now where under certain circumstances, based on geographic distance from the nearest VA facility or length of waiting period to get a medical appointment at a VA medical facility, uh, you can receive medical care from a private sector community provider and the VA covers the costs, and we, we work with that all the time. Under military sexual trauma. So that goes back to the disability compensation claims process. Uh, individuals who unfortunately have been the victim of military sexual trauma should know that they can and should file for disability compensation for the trauma that they incurred while in service. And we, we handle those claims, uh, unfortunately, all the time. You know, individuals who suffered this military sexual trauma should know that 
the Division of Veterans Affairs is here as an ally for them and to assist them with, with those claims, with health care services, or anything else they need uh, to advocate for them the rest of the way. Okay, I see uh, state veterans nursing homes. So anybody who is a New York State resident or entered military service from New York State who received an honorable discharge from the military and who served for basically a couple of months on active duty uh, is eligible for the state veterans' homes. In addition to that, anybody who received a disability compensation rating from the VA of 70% or higher is eligible to receive free skilled nursing care, free of charge, at those state veterans' homes. And also the spouse of somebody who received a 70% or higher rating can receive free skilled nursing care as well from any of those five facilities. Okay, I see a separate heading for PTSD, which are now I believe is called PTSI. Um, is this in a, something the state has programs in addition to the federal VA? Absolutely. So one, one of the important programs that New York State offers is the Joseph P. Dwyer program. It's a peer-to-peer program that matches veterans with other veterans, really going back to that military camaraderie, that, that battle buddy type of concept. That's proven to be a fantastic resource for veterans who may have PTSD linked to their military service, who are working their way through the process of reintegration back into civilian life. Prosthetic and sensory aids. Again, this goes through the VA healthcare system. So VA healthcare enrollees have access to a very robust uh, prosthetics department at VA medical centers. They're working with state-of-the-art technology and state-of-the-art resources. And so it's one of the many benefits that enrolling in the VA's healthcare system can provide to a veteran who's in need of those assistances. Okay, and New York State has a veteran ID card? We do. So New York State's driver's licenses and non-driver's ID cards can be customized to include a distinguishing mark for veterans. And the myth around that is for a short time there was a $12.50 fee to receive that mark. That fee has been long gone. The law has been changed. There is no fee whatsoever to go to your local DMV office and get that distinguishing mark on your driver's license or your non-driver's ID. Okay, and and finally we're down to Agent Orange exposure. I see a federal court's just held with a decision to include uh, Blue Water Navy. In favor of the the Blue Water Navy veterans. There's a whole list of conditions that range from prostate cancer to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma to Parkinson's disease to type 2 diabetes and so on and so forth of of veterans who were exposed to Agent Orange during their service in the Vietnam era. That includes veterans who were boots on the ground in Vietnam. That includes certain veterans who were at some of the Royal Thai air bases in Thailand, particularly those who are military police officers or dog handlers. That includes individuals who were on the inland waterways in Vietnam. And that includes now, thanks to that recent court case that you mentioned from the Federal Circuit, that now includes individuals who served on the territorial waterways adjoining Vietnam, the territorial seas, the so-called Blue Water Navy veterans, who did not receive that presumption before, now receive it through that Federal Circuit decision. How about women veterans health care? Each VA facility, medical facility, has a women veterans coordinator, women veterans liaison on their staff. And that's one of the, the real pushes at the federal level right now is to improve women's focused health care at all VA facilities. And certainly we have heard positive feedback from women veterans about how the VA is now compared to the way the VA used to be in that area. Okay. We're on to honoring veterans and... Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things here. Custom state license plates and veteran statuses license. So New York State's Department of Motor Vehicles has a whole series of custom plates that are out there for veterans who meet certain criteria. So, for instance, there is a Purple Heart license plate. There is a license plate for individuals um, who, who belong to certain military associations. There is a license plate available for each branch of service. So if you served in the U.S. Marine Corps and you want a U.S. Marine Corps logo on your license plate, you can get that now uh, through the New York State DMV. 
there is a fee for those plates, and it differs depending on which plate you're getting. It's not free like the mark on your license card, but there are many veterans who utilize that to get that, that distinguishing uh, plate. We've been listening to Ben Pomerantz, who is the Deputy Director of Program Development for New York State Department of Veterans Affairs. And you're listening to Let's Talk Vets on WJFF in Jeffersonville. We're just about uh, 31 minutes after the hour of 7. We do have a few news items for you, if you're interested. Oh, you are? Okay, hang on. Here we go. Uh, Military Times reports that the Pentagon said Monday it does not endorse a Turkish operation in northern Syria and that U.S. troops would not support or be involved in such an operation. That statement from the Pentagon follows Sunday's White House announcement that U.S. troops would withdraw from northeastern Syria ahead of potential Turkish military incursion to rout the Kurdish militants. A senior administration official told reporters Monday that Sunday's announcement did not constitute a full U.S. withdrawal from Syria, that only 50 to 100 U.S. special forces operator, operators are being moved to other locations. This is primarily to keep these troops out of the crossfire. The uh, troops are moving to more secure areas over the next several days, so said that official. And savory new details about Oscar-winning uh, filmmaker Sam Mendes' World War I blockbuster have even the most pedestrian of film enthusiasts salivating. This week, Universal Pictures released a behind-the-scenes look at 1917, a story of two young soldiers portrayed by George McKay, who's Captain Fantastic, and uh, Dean Charles Chapman from Game of Thrones. They embark on a race against time through the apocalyptic hellscapes of the Western Front to deliver a message that could save 1,600 lives. To make the Great War as immersive and viewer-relatable as possible, Mendez and Oscar award-winning cinematographer Roger Deakins opted to shoot the entire film as one continuous shot that never departs from the two main characters. From the very beginning... I felt the movie should be told in real time, said Mendez. I wanted people to understand how difficult it was for these men. Every step of the journey, breathing every breath with these men, felt integral. There's no better way to tell that story than with one continuous shot. And federal investigators will take a hard look at the possibility of restricting or banning rides for the public aboard World War II-era aircraft, following the fiery crash of a restored B-17 Flying Fortress bomber in Connecticut this week that uh, killed seven and injured eight. Uh, That is something they'll look at down the road, said the National Transportation Safety Board member Jennifer Homedy. And uh, when asked if owners of vintage aircraft should be permitted to keep taking paying customers up for brief flights at air show and heritage events. Quote, we're still at the very early stages of this investigation, and we have to determine that at the appropriate time, Hamadi said, unquote. At the October news conference at Bradley International Airport, Windsor Locks, Connecticut, where the B-17 unfortunately crashed last Wednesday in an emergency landing attempt. NTSB is expected to make a preliminary report about that crash later this month, but recommendations on what actions the Federal Aviation Administration will take to ensure the safety of vintage aircraft flights will not likely be made for several months. And the Veterans View, Department of Veterans Affairs, reminds veterans nationwide of the VA's supportive services for veterans' families and grant and per diem provide housing and other services for veterans' experience in domestic violence and intimate partner violence. Additionally, in observance to National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, the VA's Intimate Partner Violence Assistance Program will gather with internal and external national partners this October to help promote the department's mission to foster healthy relationships and, above all, safety. The VA recognizes the impact of domestic violence has on veterans and their families and is committed to raising awareness about this serious problem said VA Secretary Robert Wilkie. 
We want to remind veterans and those in tough situations that they are not alone. And the VA is here to offer them stable housing and supportive services. And again, you're listening to Let's Talk Vets on WJFF, and so we continue. Uh, we met with a fellow by the name of Mike Wickham at ATI's Operation Wellness in August. Mike works for the Vet Center in Middletown, New York. And Vet Center is a unique outreach of the VA, offering a wide range of counseling and advisory services in a casual, non-clinical setting. We're looking out in a lake that's got to have a lot of fish in it. 60, 62 degrees, 63 <laughs> degrees. Can't beat it. Okay, the Middletown Vet Center. Middletown Vet it. Center. Uh, so we've, uh, we're, we're based in Middletown, New York, so uh, you know maybe about half an hour from here where we are today. Um, centered kind of right in the middle of Orange County. Um, we've been there since um, July of 2008. We opened officially, and... Uh, we started work in 2007, and um, we've been operating ever since. There's now over 300 vet centers in the country. Each state has at least two vet centers. Okay. And the program was originally started back in the late 70s as the VA recognized that it wasn't drawing enough Vietnam veterans back into the to the VA itself, back into transitioning home. They were still having a problem. So that's the origins of the program started out with a couple of vet centers nationwide in the late 70s. They realized that it was extremely successful and it started off as RAP groups and small vet centers. Um, former Vietnam veterans with no real mental health training at all. Um, Leading groups, groups of guys, groups vet of veterans, vet, vet to vet, vet, peer model, you yep. know, and peer model. And uh, it was extremely successful in, in, in bringing guys back in. And they realized at some point that, uh, you know, with the, our newer generations of soldiers, um, the Persian Gulf, Iraq and Afghanistan, that, uh, that they were going to need to expand these uh, considerably. So around 2000, 2007, 2008, there was a you know, massive growth in the uh, Vet Center program, and they opened up many, one of which is ours, you know. So do you guys actually work for the VA? We do work for the VA. Okay. We're VA employees, but we're, we've got our own chain of command, as it were, you know. Um, we don't report to the hospitals. It's a non-clinical setting. If you go into a Vet Center, it's very laid back. It's um, not clinical looking. It's not cold. It's usually veterans decor on the walls, um, you know, much more laid back setting. And I think that helps to draw people in to some extent, you know, just not feeling like you're going into a medical clinic because you're not. You know? Yeah, because a lot of the issues over all of the conflicts are the same. Yeah. Some of them the same issue relabeled. Right, right. And some of them are new. Yes, yes. So PTSD, for example, I think the correct term is PTSI now. Right, or uh, PTS, post-traumatic stress. They, right. They chopped off the disorder part of it. Right, because right? yeah. of negative connotation. Right, exactly. But that used to be called um, battle fatigue. Battle fatigue. And then a soldier's heart. Really? I never yeah. heard that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. And so a lot of this stuff has changed. Some remains the same. But as of the, let's call it the modern wars, Iraq, right. Afghanistan, are there any unique new maladies that you're running into? I think TBI is probably the biggest one. And, uh, you know, just the proliferation of IEDs. That's and, a brain injury. A brain injury, yeah. traumatic brain injury. Right. And the way that that overlap with PTSD, a lot of the symptoms can be the same. So it's hard to differentiate between the two, but it definitely magnifies PTSD. And some veterans will be plagued with both. Yes, both. I mean, right. uh, and, and sometimes it's just hard to differentiate which is worse. I mean, because they, they have so much symptom overlap. You know, that's the primary, that's the signature wound of, I think, this this era of wars is, uh, is TBI, you know. I think one of the toughest things, I've never served in combat, but one of the toughest things I think was probably starting with Vietnam and not being able to identify your enemy. Right, right. And That's so having absolutely. to make a judgment. Yep. And know. we're 
We're still seeing that with the Taliban and uh, uh, Al Qaeda in, in our current generation of wars. You know, and it's uh, you know back in World War II they shot at a uniformed enemy, and a lot of the times we don't, you know, have that right. You know, you just good don't fortune, know. Right? right? You just don't know. Yeah. Okay, so the uh, the veteran comes home, and uh, transitioning is a big deal. The yep. military does a great great job getting you in yeah <laughs> not so much getting you out and that's, that's a right. big deal for a lot of vets especially somebody who has some of these maladies attached. that's right that's right we try to we try to bill ourselves as kind of a one-stop shop we can help with anything we don't specify you know if a veteran has a need we try to find a way to address it you know so sometimes it can be a gi bill question it can be i've got a physical injury and i need to file a claim it's not all about mental health. So in bringing, we find different ways to bring the vets in through outreach, through, uh, you know, through our um, networks with different community organizations, going out and grabbing them where they are, so to speak. And, uh, you know, finding out what their basic needs are. You know, have you found a job yet? You know, something as basic as that. And then that'll lead into, well, you know, I came back and I, you know, I, I have a, a really bad leg or, you know, I, I really hurt my back in combat or, you know what, I just saw so much stuff, I, I don't even feel like I can hand, hold down a job right now. It leads into those types of discussions that you don't want to start off with right off the bat, you know, oh, hey, do you have PTSD? No guy's going to want to hear no. somebody come walking up to him and asking him if they have PTSD, right? You know, you find different ways to identify. And most of our staff are veterans or come from veteran families. So we know how to talk the language. You know, I, I served in the Army in the Army Reserve prior to uh, getting out. Around 2007, I got out. And, uh, you know, even before that, I came from a very large Army family. My father was a West Pointer. And, you know, my grandfather was a Silver Star awardee in World War II. So, you know, I could walk up to a guy and talk to him in his own language. Even though he and I have probably not seen the exact same things, we haven't experienced the same experience, but just being able to talk the lingo, you know, as you know, you know, it's just, it, it helps. And so most, I'd say a good 50% or more of our staff are veterans or uh, come from veteran families. Mm -hmm. So, and they make it a priority to hire vets within the program because they know, you know, what, a, what value that brings to the program. One of the interesting things, and I don't know if you've run into this, that I did a, a show uh, on vets and opiates. Yes, yes. And uh, they actually re-aired it on another program on WJFF. Okay. And um, one of the things I found out, which is surprising but not, is that a lot of first responders suffer from the same, like, PTSD. Yeah or PTSI, and that a lot of returning vets who are reluctant to seek help for that become first responders. Yeah, yeah. So the trigger mechanism is there, and it's, like, scary. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, and it makes sense, you know, you come back from a war zone where you've been exper you've experienced, I would say, what the epitome of the human experience in terms of activation of your nervous system, right? There's very few, few things in civilian life that can compare to the action of combat. So in a way, combat rewires your nervous system and your responses to stimuli. And where can you get that in civilian life? Being a first responder, being a trauma nurse, working in the ER, being a cop, you know, being a fireman. You know, these things are the the, the professions that generally give you the best approximation of, of that kind of experience in civilian life. And, uh, and, uh, and it feels natural for, for guys to come out of the military and, and go into those professions, you know. I see you have a lot of different services listed, but you also offer a lot of services to the family. Yes, absolutely. Which is we, just the same as a, as a vet, really. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, uh, a veteran's concerns are, are not just his own. It's just the family uh, that comes along with it. We see couples. We see uh, children. 
Um, children's a big thing, being able to see kids and, and how it, you know, how parents' deployments have affected them. Um, you know, their own transition with dad coming home. Dad's not been home for a year, year and a half. You know, right. what's it, how's it like to, to, to see a kid that, that was maybe just a couple of months old when you left? You know, that, those kind of things, you know. So the family is crucial to, uh, to how well a veteran transitions when he comes home. Mm. I see a lot of, uh, or a couple of items here, job referral and employment counseling. So yep. like... ATI and like some of these other organizations, you must have a network of companies and organizations that are looking for vets either on a part-time or full-time basis, That's right. given their skills. You do a lot of that. You have a, a good organization of companies. I, th I think we do. Uh, I, I think we could stand to improve in that uh, in that respect. Um, and, and employment's a big thing, you know. It it really is. But um, you know, we we partner with departments of labor, local departments of labor, uh, local companies that like to hire specifically veterans, you know. But I that's one area I think we could and we could definitely stand to do a little bit better job, considering how you know, how hard it is for veterans to find jobs when they come home sometimes, or, or employers that are gonna understand the special needs that veterans have a lot of the time, especially if you know, they come home with PTSD or injuries, stuff like that. There yeah. has to be some reluctance on some, some people's yeah. part to hire a veteran. There's still some stigma, I think. You know, I think there's, there are some employers that know what the value of a, a veteran brings to the table. Um, you know, the, the focus, uh, the, the um, the discipline the stuff that you and I know uh, that that would you know any employer would look for but I think there's that, still that stigma that uh, you know they're somehow they're just not going to get as get along as well as a regular civilian that they could recruit off the street you know and I think that harkens back to maybe before my time maybe Vietnam when when there was such a stigma um, you know and I, we've seen you know it was the generation the Vietnam generation I think that really changed how you know was their effort that changed how we view our returning soldiers and 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 combat marines and airmen now you know and that's you know radically changed since that generation but there's there are still these stigmas out there there's always been a problem i mean in, in world war ii i remember i wasn't alive but i remember hearing about you know there was a, a percentage of people that didn't go off to war for various reasons yeah and they took the jobs and and the girls and everything that was available to them here right and then the GIs come back right and it's not a good yeah relationship sure right sure. yeah and then you get the, the same issues with the, the the folks returning from Vietnam I remember I do remember because I was in 1968 to 72 I was in the Air Force sure and I remember that it, it it clearly was not a good thing to be a, identified as a Vietnam vet. Sure. And now it's popular. Yeah, yeah. And I, I brought up, I won't mention by name, but there's one particularly vile individual in Connecticut in the, uh, in the uh, I think he's in the Senate or the House, that uh, identified as a Vietnam vet uh, when it just simply ain't so. Yeah, yeah. And I find that contemptible, but that's, my point is that, it seems in politics that's like a badge of honor now when the, the same people probably used to spit on our guys coming home. Right, right. And that's, that's ridiculous. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Pardon me for getting... Not at all. That Not at all. Okay, community education. So I, I, I take it from that that you do... Uh, some seminars and some outreach in the community. Events like these, yeah, we'll come out, uh, you know, um, you know, give give basic education on, you know, PTSD, um, different mental health concerns, um, you know, veterans transition, um, you know, kind of like at the event we're here today, you know, um, uh, any one of our counselors is qualified to do community outreach and there's an expectation that we get out at least a couple of times a month to do this kind of stuff so mm -hmm. yeah one of my first interviews was a, an outfit called purple heart homes i yeah. don't know if you've heard of no North no carolina yeah it was two vets that came home physically and mentally challenged okay one guy was really physically challenged and had it in a wheelchair and out of his experience trying to live in his home 
they got together and got a, uh, the other guy got together and, and got a bunch of local contractors and people to fix the guy's home up. Oh, that's great. That's great. And they founded this company. Oh, wow. And, of course, you have um, Stephen Siller uh, Tunnels to Towers in New York, oh, which wow. was first responders. And what they do is they go and, and build homes or give, give the mortgage to the widow. Wow. All nice. Right. Nice. And, and Stephen Siller was a New York City firefighter that went into 9-11 and never returned. Okay. So his brothers and, and others got together and started this thing. Yeah. So, I mean, there's these organizations are, um, there's a lot of them and they're pretty well founded. But as you said, uh, you got to be careful because some of them are not what they would purport to be. Purport to be. You know, but a, a large part of our job is bringing that those resources together, you know, as best we can. You know, we can't do, you know, we, we have a broad range of things that we do, but we are a small staff. We have a five-county coverage area, so we For can't do many, it all. How many people? Uh, uh, let's see. How many How many clients we serve? Or? Uh, well, I'm going to ask you oh, that, okay. too. So okay. how many clients do you serve? My caseload is between about 50 and 60 guys now that at rate, any one given time at any one given time now that fluctuates um and that they, they can be seen you know some guys i see on a weekly basis some i may ever see, only see every couple of months depends on need so each one of our staff has at least as many as i carry and i couldn't tell you off the top of my head how many each staff member carries um we service quite a few veterans or have serviced quite a few veterans how many would you say over the over your uh, professional lifetime with the organization uh, have have come through the the doors for everybody, not just? For I would you. say at least a thousand. Yeah, 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 yeah at least a thousand. Yeah, uh, that would be it. Would be good to refresh my memory on some of the numbers with that. But, be scary uh, too. Yeah, <laughs> it may be. Yeah, it may fifty be. or sixty cases is a lot of juggling. It's you know, and that, and that's not. You know that's not a high number for for some for clinicians. They have quite a, quite a bit more. You know, I just happen to see a lot of my particular cases on a weekly basis. So, you know, it could be upwards of 100, 150. Mm. You know, but but it's not that. You know, each each veteran is being seen every week. You know, it's it's yeah. it's kind of based upon need. You know, it's uh, not not every situation is going to be the same. But we have a five county catchment area, which includes. Um, Pike County in uh, Pennsylvania. Oh, you do? Orange and Sullivan, parts of Ulster, parts of Dutchess, and um, Putnam County. Um, out of that one office? Out of this one office in Middletown. Originally, it was planned to be sited in Dutchess County, and then they recognized that there was actually a higher population of veterans in Orange County than it was in Dutchess County. So yeah. they, they decided to site it in Middletown, very right. centrally located in Orange County. Yeah. And there's a lot of vets. I mean, since the radio station is in Jeffersonville, yeah. I get quite involved with the folks around Monticello, the veteran service officer sure. there. Yeah, those yeah. John Crotty, great Steve guy. Walsh, Corporal Howie. Crowdy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Corporal Crowdy. They're great people. Great people, oh, they and are. they do a great job. Yeah. Um, how's the... Maybe this is a loaded question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. That's right. How's uh, the Mission Act working out? Because it's so new, um, the results have yet to be seen at our level. Um, and, you know, I kind of, I could say that I could stay, personally stand to learn more about it. You know, we just don't see it employed at our level very often um, uh, yet. You know, and I think it's because it is so new, it's rolling it, out. It, doing it, what you do, it would be a tricky thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not as it's not as clear, well, how do I say this? It's not as clear cut as having some sort of a mid-level medical condition sure. where the person can go to another provider quite right. easily. Right. It's, you know, it is, it's, it's focused more on the VA hospitals and, and, and the needs that come out of the hospitals, and, and we serve a much different need, mm -hmm. um, which the VA also does mental health. But I think transition and readjustment is our primary purpose. Getting that veteran, getting that soldier, Marine, sailor, airman, Coast Guardsman coming home, getting them what they need to be successful. 
you know. And if mental health is a part of that, then it's mental health. If finding a job is part of that, it's finding a job. We, anything that it takes to get the readjustment to be successful is our ultimate goal. Well, how do folks get in touch with you? So, in the Middletown Vet Center, our main phone number is 845-342-9917, um, and that's the best way to get in touch with us. Okay. How about your website? Website is, let's see if I can think of it off the top of my head, www.rcs.med.gov, and that will bring you to the Vet Center main homepage where you can select by state, all the available vet centers in that state. Michael Wickham? Yes. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure again. Thank you. And good evening. And that's just about a wrap for this edition of Let's Talk Vets. We wish to acknowledge the uh, following folks and organizations that made this show possible. Ben Pomerantz, New York State Veterans Administration. Mike Wickham, you just heard from the Middletown Vet Center, Military Times, and various other organizations. We want to thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Vets. Please let your friends know about this program and share with us your comments and suggestions for future shows. Also, send us your upcoming events so that we may get them on the air both on our normal public service announcement segments and this program. You can email me at vets at wjffradio.org or you can leave us a voicemail at 845-431-6500. Until next time, I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your service. Company dismissed. If you enjoy intelligent, engaging, lyrically-based songwriting with hooks and memorable melodies, check out my show Folk Plus. It's Saturdays at noon or it's anytime on the archive. WJFFradio.org Support comes from you and from the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York, riverreporter.com. Support comes from you and from Wayne Memorial Hospital and Wayne Memorial Health System. More than 200 health care providers serving residents in Wayne, Pike, and eastern Lackawanna counties in Pennsylvania and the upper Delaware region of New York State. WMH.org. And this is WJFF Jeffersonville and W233AH Monticello. Public Radio for Sullivan County, the Catskills, and Northeast Pennsylvania, streaming always online at WJFFRadio.org. It is just a couple minutes to 8 o'clock and 52 degrees here in Jeffersonville with a light rain coming down. Slight chance of showers continuing tonight with a low of 42 overnight. That slight chance of showers continuing into tomorrow with a high of 62 and a chance of showers tomorrow night and Friday. Low of 46 tomorrow night, high of 57 on Friday. Friday night mostly cloudy though with a low of 42 overnight and then some patchy fog on Saturday with a slight chance of showers continuing into Saturday evening. High of 62 that day, low of 41 overnight. Stay tuned right now for Neonatal Pulse, all new music for two hours 
right here on WJFF, and then all songs considered at 10 p.m. after that wonderful Wednesday evening for your ears. Stay tuned. 90.5 FM. Support comes from Raptors Tap York, an intimate gathering place for food, music, and fun. Raptors Tavern on Facebook. Support comes from you and from the Law Office of John Ferrara in Monticello, New York, providing legal services in the areas of matrimonial and family law and criminal defense. John.Ferrara557 at gmail.com.